Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in Cars going to festivals. Hi everyone, I'm Reverend Jana Vende and I am here today with super special guest Sarah Mastros. Hello everyone! (laughs) Um, So she has a really cool book coming out and I wanted her to talk about it because I'm super into what it is and I thought everyone else should be too. (laughs) Well thank you so much! (laughs) So tell me what the book is and when it's coming out and then... So it's called The Orphic Hymns Grimoire. It's coming out in mid-July. Right now all it's waiting for is like the illustrator to clean up some stuff. People were writing the foreword to get that written. (laughs) So early July, mid-July, maybe even a little bit earlier. Very cool. And so Orphic Hymns, those are Greek, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly know the Orphic stuff is like Eleusinian mysteries, go to the left of the House of Hades, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Is that... Yeah, so what we when we talk about Orphism, we're talking about like a really broad range of things, um, but it's really characterized by its style of practice. It's a really ecstatic or sort of what we would call a charismatic practice of worship. So a lot of speaking in tongues and transpossession and processional rites and probably entheogens and possibly snake handling. Um, probably sex. They were almost certainly female-led, but possibly women-only celebrations, Um, and sort of anything in that style, particularly anything in that style from Thrace, which is what we would now call like maybe Bulgaria and some of Turkey, um, we can call Orphic. So the Orphic hymns are this series of 87 or 88, depending how you count, um, praise hymns, invocational poems, right, to a wide assortment of gods. So sort of all the usual suspects in Greek mythology, but also some like sort of more exotic and Eastern. (laughs) There were some air quotes on there for people listening. (laughs) Um, Some more exotic and Eastern and what we would now understand to be like Anatolian gods, including a couple that like were really we don't know much about except for their inclusion in them. Right. So I, um, one of my favorite things about Orphism is I've, I've done some reading into, mm-hmm. um, like the ergo that's on the wheat that mm-hmm. makes it kind of like LSD yeah. and that the, the priests at the Eleusinian mysteries had it down to a science so that mm-hmm. everyone hit that like high trance space at the same time and like the dosages were different Mm -hmm. as they went forward. So like that's what I have read more about. I will say purely speculatively, Mm -hmm. like I believe the entheon of choice of the Orphic Rite in sort of its indigenous instantiation is probably Liberty Cat Mushrooms for like some reasons you can read about in my book (laughs) if you would like. I think there's also a blog post um, that you could find on that topic. At Eleusis, I think, so... um, I work a lot with Gwendolyn Reese, who is a really well-respected scholar and pagan and all-around amazing person. I've seen the author of Reese and Reese 
do things in pagan pagan land. Yes, that okay. yeah, yes. that might be her. Um, so she's a she's a librarian. I think she. I don't want to speak out of turn. She's a librarian and also a religious studies scholar in some combination okay. at maybe American University. Anyway, and um, but uh, she and I do a lot of work on Greek mystery tradition together. And so what she says is that the sacred drink at Eleusis is probably Pennyroyal, okay. and it's probably inducing a near-death experience. Okay. And I don't know, like, yeah, I have mixed thoughts on whether I believe that or not, but she, like, knows a lot of stuff, so that seems compelling. Yeah, okay, so we've got... Yours is called the Orphic Hymns Grimoire. Correct. So, like, you're not just doing translations of the hymns. Right, so I've translated all the hymns, and then many... There's some additional... There's some commentary just sort of, like, about the hymns and about Orphism. Like, honestly, just a longer version of what I just told you guys. <laughs> it's basically the beginning of the book. And then all the hymns. And then many of the hymns have attached, like, commentary, and a bunch of them have attached spells. So really just, like, specific here's how to do this at home, here's how to use this hymn in a spell. And I tried to give a really variety of techniques so that people could like take those and then craft their own okay. based on the other ones. And there are additionally, um, the illustrator I work with, whose name is Brian Chase Charles, there are icon illustrations for many of the spirits that you can work with okay. to build that connection and to build spell work. So with the spell work, like, is there a specific tradition that you're drawing on? Like, what are so, kind of your influences? So what's it look my like? influence is there. I, as I said, I try to do like a variety of styles. Like the Orphic hymns themselves are just spell work on the face of it, right? So they all sort of follow the same format, which is really the format you see in almost all Greek invocational sort of petition-based magic, which is basically like, here's a bunch of names for the spirit. Here's like a very brief summary of their myth or like some important facts about mm -hmm. them. And then a closing, like, please do this thing for me. Yes, thank you. Okay. Right? And so they all do that. So really the spell work is just really like pulling out from... But a lot of the things you're asking for in those orphicums, they're, like, not maybe super relevant to our lives, right? So, like, the Demeter spell for Good Harvest, I spun it into a spell for, like, any kind of situation where, like, you are trying to recoup on an investment. Because when we talk about, like, harvest magic, that's really what we're saying. Like, the, the mystery of agriculture, like, which is one of the mysteries that Demeter teaches, but certainly mm -hmm. not the only one, is about how, like, you can invest effort now, right? Um, in one activity for a payoff like well into the future in a mm -hmm. non-obvious route. Right, right, right. So anything like that. So that spell is sort of designed to sell a house. Okay. Right? Um, but you can pull it out. So in terms of spellcraft, I tried to do a lot of different options. So there's a lot of stuff pulled like pretty directly from the PGM. So there's a couple that are effectively just translated PGM spells. There's a, I believe... In the Cellini chapter, for example, I think there's a dream incubation, which oh, is just cool. a is just straight up a PGM yeah. translation. I I mean, I modified it only in the sense like I know you maybe can't get like sacred ibis feathers. Okay, so yeah, I was I gonna use. say, do you Those modify the materials? Yeah, like, so I, I modify the materials. I can't get a hyena skin. Right, exactly. So <laughs> I provide like a list of alternatives from like this is still maybe hard to get down through like I think you're fine if you just write this on paper with a pencil. Yeah, right. Like in my experience. That will work fine. Well, and because you were talking about in your workshop this weekend that, mm -hmm. like, it was trash, right? Like, the things they were writing on were... Yeah, I mean, it depends. So, one of the things you do as a translator, like, is is trying to understand, like, the cultural context in which something is said. So, I made this example that, like, in Torah, sometimes in the Bible, they'll talk about, like, writing on shards of pottery. Mm -hmm. And to, like, a modern English speaker, that sounds like inscribing in stone, but it's not. It's, like, writing on the back of a receipt, right? <laughs> like, a lot of these material that they're working with in, like, the Greek magical part are, like, 
not unusual. Like they just walk out their door and pick and that pick it. plant okay. or like pick up one of those feathers. So you just kind of have to think about like, what does this feather mean to them? Like, why did they pick that one? And then <laughs> because it was convenient, right? So like, why did they pick a sacred ibis feather? In that case, like almost certainly because it belongs to Thoth, the scribe god. So then I think like, well, what feather can I get that is associated with scribing? And I'm like, oh, goose, because that's what you make quill pens out. Right, of. So, right. Like, okay. I use goose feathers. Yeah. But also, I actually also have friends send ibis feathers from Florida. Which That's are cool. apparently easy to get, but a different kind of it. Right. Okay. Um, so some of them are sort of more straight up, and then some of them veer into like a really sort of solidly American folk magic, like what I would call just like simple conjure. So something that is influenced by like Brauchari, which is Pennsylvania Dutch magic, or Hoodoo, which is Southern United States um, African American magic, or any other kind of folk magic tradition. Okay. Right. Yeah. There's a couple of like even leaning into, like, maybe some chaos magic sigil magic, right? Okay. And I tried to explain, like, here's a variety of styles you can do this in, and here's how you could change these up. Because I want people, more so than thinking of it as, like, a recipe book for spells, which I do love. I'm not down on those. <laughs> like, this is intended more as, like, sort of a, a set of examples from which a more experienced spellcaster could... Could like, broaden Yeah, could practice. broaden out, like, a wide variety of okay. spells. Yeah, so... So you're talking, like, audience-wise is both people who are new to magic and people who have an established practice? Yeah, so I would say, like, anybody who is interested in Greek mythology, like, the translations are most of the book, right? So I think, like, that yeah. part is I very mean, like, that, that's my, like... Yeah, that's my jam as well, yeah. right? So any, I think anybody who's interested in sort of Western magic broadly, all the spells are very approachable. Like, like a new... If somebody new to spellcraft, like, these are... These are super, like, I taught high school for many years. They're very, like, step one, step two, step three. Like, you can walk right through them as a recipe and not have to, like, figure anything out okay. on your own. But then additionally, at the end, there's some explanation of, like, why I constructed it that way. So, for example, Leucothea, the, the white goddess, is a goddess of sea foam who rescues sailors who have been, who are, who are shipwrecked mm -hmm. or otherwise, like, about to drown. Right. Right? Um, she scoops them out of the water with, like, her magic white scarf. Okay. Um, and so that I, like, turned into a spell about rescuing from, like, drowning in debt. Okay. Right? And that's effectively a poppet spell, right? So you make a representation of the sea of debt where you, like, take a bowl and layer some, <laughs> all like, your of your debt documents. I was going to say, all of your student, student loan, loan documents, right? <laughs> and you put some salt water in it, and there's some recommendations about, like, seawater's best, but if you can't do that, just put some salt and some water, it's fine. Right. And then add some tears to it. Like, really be sad about those debts, which, I don't know about you, crying over student loans, maybe not that hard, but, like, do that. And then you make this this wa lustrous water of liberation, of salvation, uh -huh. in another bowl, and you move them back and forth. So it's really, like, a poppet magic That's really for cool. abstract stuff. That's yeah. really cool. Thank you. It's a, it's a good spell. Like, people yeah. have had a lot of success with that one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any. There's a Hafisa chapter on like spells to get and keep a job. Okay. Um, that kind of stuff. So I tried to keep it like like I do a lot of spell work for hire. So I feel like the kinds of spells people want are really quite straightforward. So like forward. you have you have get a good job. knowledge of what people. Yeah, want. like get a job, keep a job, get a marriage, keep a marriage, like <laughs> right. all the things that. Which is the same. Like if we flip through, how do I have more powerful dreams? Like. If we look through, like, the spell concerns that I hear every day from, like, normal modern people, right. they are identical to the spell concerns you see in the ancient world, as long as you understand them a little bit, right? Like, drowning in the ocean is, like, not a thing that really comes up in my life. Right. Or, like, harvest doesn't sound like it is, but it actually is. Right. Yeah. So. If you had to pick a favorite, I'm going to go with, what's your favorite hymn that you translated? And then what is your favorite spell that you've attached to something? <sighs> For me... 
I really like the Hermes one. In fact, if you look, um, you can actually read that one on the website. There are two versions of it. I loved it so much that like I really wrote a vet, like I got quite possessed by Hermes, somebody <laughs> I really close with. And I wrote one which is, I will say, inspired by the Orphicum movie rather than translated. And then I did another like more literal. So there there are two versions of okay. the same in there. A a literal translation and the author's preferred okay. version. One of my so my favorite um, book of Orphic hymns mm -hmm. is actually by RC Hogart. Okay. Who did mutations. Like yeah. that's what he called it was the mutations of the Orphic hymns. Yeah, I mean I try I, I think of mine as somewhere between like a translation and interpretation. Some of them are more literal than others. I felt the ones that I that have sort of less strong of an archaeological record, so we don't know as much about them outside of their hymn. Those I sort of stuck very close to the literal hymn. Mm -hmm. And similarly, like, the ones where, like, I feel like I have a really good relationship with that spirit and I have, a, like, a significant amount of scholarship, I'll do a little more. But I tried really carefully. Like, there were places where I just flat out deviated from the original text. So, mm -hmm. for example, in the hymn to Heracles, Hercules, um, he is extolled for putting down the savages for the good of civilized folk, and I literally refuse to extol someone for that. Right. And I also feel like the gods would be ashamed to be extolled for that in today's world. Yeah. So I changed it to, like, for the good of all people, you put down savage yearnings. Okay. Right? And so those kind of changes. But when I make those kind of changes, like, I really carefully footnoted, like, this is what it says in Greek. That is not what I said, and right. here's why. So when I deviated, I tried to really okay, keep good. it yeah. wrapped up. Yeah. Okay, so then what is your favorite spell that you've gotten there? I really like the Cellini Dream Incubation. That's probably my favorite one. But the Taiki, there's a Taiki, like, luck drawing spell okay. that is also, I think, it's probably the most widely applicable. Like, I feel like, honestly, almost all situations can be improved by just throwing <laughs> a little bit straight of luck. up luck A little at bit of luck problem. at it, yeah. Yeah, and so that one has, you use the gold Sacagawea dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, and you stack them up in a Tetractus pyramid, and then it's basically an invocation to and a petition from there. That's really cool. I like that. They all sound really approachable. I tried. I feel really like I want people to do magic. Right. Like, I don't... I, I also, like, I love that highfalutin fancy ritual. Like, I will get down with that sometimes. But at the end of the day, like, if I want to do a spell, I don't... If I had four hours and a jillion dollars in materials to spend on a spell, I maybe wouldn't have needed the spell in the first place. Right. I need, like... I need to get paid this week with a spell. Right, yeah. right. So I tried to keep them very approachable and very doable. <laughs> they None of them really take any previous experience at all. Like, they're, they're pretty plug and play. Yeah, very cool. Um, as far as materials go, like, if you've got someone who's in a dorm room or, or like, a prison, is there... Yeah. Have you included adaptations for that? I didn't. That's a really good idea. I'll go back. The only things you'd have to sub out are just, like, sometimes it says, like, light a candle. You could honestly just not do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're all super adaptable. I didn't think about, like, lighting candles in dorms and prisons, but that's easy to fix. Okay. So, in fact, n yes, now it will. That might be a good, like, introduction piece. I don't know. No, I mean, I still, it hasn't gone publishing yet. Oh. I'm just going to go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll just put that note in. But, no, they're all very approachable. None of them really, like, some of them suggest fancy materials. So, a couple of them will say, like, here's what you actually need for this is, like, 15 minutes and a black pen and a piece of paper and a toilet. Okay. Right? And then you can like make that super fancy until you need like the hour of Saturn on the day of Mars <laughs> and like dragon's blood ink and a bog. <laughs> right? So I sort of tell people like how to step it up, but there's every spell in there can be done with things you can get in a grocery store. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Anything else just kind of in general about your book or your practice that you want to 
I mean, you can follow me on Facebook. I uh, look. I'm a big believer that the only good marketing is first wins free. So I give away a ton of content. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, like there's spells pretty much every day. I have stuff, um, and I do a lot of teaching online, locally in Pittsburgh. And this summer, I'm going through some festivals, and it would have been good if I had brought you a schedule of those. I am definitely teaching. At... Well, if you send it to me, we'll put it in the line notes. Excellent. Okay. okay, so you'll have a list. You can also find it on my website, which is mastroszealot.com. M-A-S-T-R-O-S. Zealot, Z-E-A-L-O-T, which is my business partner's last name. So it's Mastros and Zealot, which is for hire. Um, awesome. And you can find all our stuff there. Games. Yeah. Send me and... the things and we'll put it Excellent. all in the line notes. Brilliant. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry that I'm, I, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, it was great talking to you and I am super excited about your book. Yay. I was one of your backers. Like, awesome. It's going to be good. I'm Thank excited. Thank you so much. I'm excited too. All right. Well, thanks. Great. Thank you. Good to talk to you. <laughs> thanks for listening and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.